This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Coming in your ear holes. October 1st. We smash it 10 yards tonight. A buck we call pickles. A south wind pushing us back to the zag. Better stand on our back. Set it out and see what happens. You on it? Huh? That's the air going out of me. Absolutely drilled in. And boom, he's that good buck. We'll get my buck, then we're gonna go get homie's buck. It's been urban peace as hell. Got him. Pickles is dead. Kevin Gates, both kills on hanging hunts. My first public land book. Nice work, dude. Look at that. Triple brow on the right. I'm digging that. Fucked out October 28th. An absolutely incredible season. Here we go. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Coming in your ear holes, and we're talking about muskox. <laughs> hey, what? <laughs> Yeah, this shit is broken out here, bro. Yeah, coming out of left field. Um, like I said, we're 99% whitetail podcast, but uh, we have our buddy on Austin Leg tonight and uh, talking about a muskox in Greenland. What an epic hunt! Um, go ahead and follow this guy on social, he is always on an incredible hunt, chasing something off the wall, fishing somewhere. Um, really cool um adventurous dude um i really enjoy following him post a lot to his story i really like stories for some reason it's i say you're more of a story guy i'm more of a post guy yeah 
So yeah. we're, we're covering I'm, it all out there. <laughs> yeah, I just, I kind of, I hit the stories and follow people through that for some reason. I feel like I, do you know what it is? It's just like, it's just the laziness of the next story comes, the next story comes, boom, and you boom, just boom. click instead of you're scrolling and reading. Like it's just boom, boom, boom. I think that's what it is, you know? And then a lot of times I'll be clicking through and I'll be like, I'll click back and be like, oh, okay, I actually want to watch this. And I got to click back <laughs> and watch it. You know what I mean? But, uh, yeah, we have Austin on. He covers his muskox in Greenland. He also covers his uh, whitetail slam that he's trying to accomplish. And we get into a bunch of other stuff on here. But uh, let's get in people to make this possible, get into the show. What you got over there, homie? Yeah, guys, starting out this week, we're going to cover Exodus Trail Cameras. As we've talked about various times in the past, uh, their YouTube channel, one thing that they're doing right now, and one thing that a lot of whitetail hunters are doing right now is making a lot of changes to their setup. New bows are out. Um, switching up to different arrows or something. And Exodus here this last month has really been pushing some really good arrow content. And um, you guys can check that out on, on their YouTube. And while you're there, go to uh, their Tech Help playlist also and uh, maybe learn a thing or two about some trail camera setups and uh, maintenance there for you this year. And um, don't forget that all their cameras are backed by a five-year no BS warranty covering theft and damage. Yeah, I see they just put up one of how to get more better daylight trail cam pictures um so that's definitely one that i'll be checking out tomorrow i just seen that they post it uh, i got ride on optics um like we've mentioned we got the scopes in mail we got them on the guns one thing about a scope you can look at it in the box you can hold it but you never really know what the eye relief is going to be on the scope and that was something i was kind of worried about um not not using this brand you know before actually getting the scope but put it on there and it, it's one of the best eye release I've ever had. Like a lot of times you got to be right on the spot, you know, to get that full picture. And there's a lot of play in this, in this eye relief. Um, and that's something that like, honest, I don't know a ton about scopes, but that's something I'm always pretty particular about. I'm like, I gotta have, it's gotta feel comfortable where I'm at. And that was one thing about my 270. that scope. It's it's good for me and you both, which is good. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, once you get it set, you never want to change it because you're comfortable with that and you got it right. But like my muzzleloader, I haven't shot that a lot. So I was worried about kind of getting the feel for the eye relief on that scope. It's a longer scope. So I figured I was going to have to be further back on the cheek, um, but it ended up working out really well. Um, and that's just something that, you know, you get when you prioritize, prioritize, prioritize quality, you're going to get good eye relief. Um, and they're also backed by, you know, lifetime warranty, um, best in industry, uh, customer service. Moving on here to next level deer supplements, guys. Um, we're going to have, we got pregnant does. Now we're going to have lactating does. Um, this is a really good package and program to get your deer on. And, uh, bucks are sprout nailers. We're seeing the picks coming in. People are sharing them, sending them to us. So as long as, uh, turkey season's tapering down, deer season's getting ready to kick off food plots coming in. And um, one thing that Nate talked about while we were in Iowa is um, that their feed can also help the bioavailability of your food plots that uh, you're getting ready to put in. And uh, I think that that's something that I haven't heard very many other companies talking about. So a lot of benefits other than just, you know, packing the protein and all the vasodilators into the feed that they can. So uh, you guys are getting... Yeah, the yucca coming in clutch there with the yucca. And uh, you guys can check them out at uh, nextleveldeer.com. 
Yeah, that's like you said, that's something that a lot of people don't talk about is, you know, you're feeding these deer, but when you're feeding next level, it has that in it to where they're going to get more nutrients, digestibility out of everything. You know, it's basically like us taking a, a probiotic or a, a digestive pill. You know, you're going to get more nutrients out of everything that you eat instead of just like the protein shake you take, you know, mm. like a lot of people are feeding these deer and he takes a bite of grass. He gets better, you know, takes an acorn. He gets better. He takes a bite of corn. He gets better. I just threw that part in there for, for <laughs> Nate, that last. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm on, I'm on this, you, I'm on this, uh, gut health, um, wormhole, I guess. So, uh, the, uh, you know, the bioavailability of that and everything that the deer consumes is just going to have a greater impact and make them a, a healthier herd overall, getting them young bucks started out on, on the right foot and, uh, keeping your does healthy and your older bucks getting bigger. All right. Is that it? That is it, brother. All right. Let's get into the show. All right. We got Austin leg on the night. How are you doing tonight, Austin? What's up, you guys? It's good to be here. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on late late notice, late night. You said you're going to put some late hour grind in anyways, but uh, we yeah. appreciate you giving us a little bit of your time. Um, we had met through a mutual friend and kind of started a relationship, and I had been following you on social after that, and you're out there, man. You're, you're doing dream hunt after dream hunt after dream hunt. So <laughs> I wanted to have you on here to talk about something, and uh, – I pretty much decided, you know, he's coming on. Let's let him talk about whatever you want to talk about your muskox. Which I'm super excited to get into. But uh, first off, give the listeners a little brief history of who you are and what you do. Yeah, so um, I live in Idaho. Uh, I've been hunting out west for, I mean, 20 years now. And I've worked in the hunting industry for the last 10 years. And um, as of here, just a couple months ago now, I, I actually work for myself. So I... Uh, specialize in marketing. I do a lot of digital marketing, like social media management and stuff for a bunch of different hunting and, and brands in the gun industry and things. Um, and then I also have a business where I work as a hunt broker. And so like people will call me and, and say like, Hey man, I've always wanted to go on like a, a, a moose hunt, or I've always wanted to go on a caribou hunt or whatever it is anywhere in the world. And I, I put the whole thing together for them. I, I match them up with an outfitter. I find the dates. I do all that. And then I, I help them go on their, their hunts. So it's kind of cool. I, I, so I still get to work in the hunting industry and do that. Um, but I'm totally self-employed now. And so it's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool gig. Nice. Yeah, that's pretty neat. Get, getting to make a lot of people's dreams come true. Um, that's something I would have to do. Like if I wanted to go yeah. something exotic, I'd have to have a guy back. Like, right, this is the tag you need. This yeah. is the time of the year. This is the law. Like you got to have a guy that kind of knows the ropes. Um, and you've been on enough hunts yourself. You kind of probably know know it or know someone you can call to figure it mm -hmm. out pretty quick so sounds yeah. like you're in a real good spot there yeah it's been cool yeah all right so um like i said there's multiple different stories we could talk about but uh <laughs> we want to talk about the muskox and in, in yeah. greenland and i know you wanted to kind of touch base on a lot of different topics here but uh just go ahead and start off with the story and then if we got any questions that we want to hit you at the end we'll write them down and yeah. Yeah. So the funny thing is, man, like muskox has always been my number one bucket list hunt. And that always surprises people because they're kind of like, dude, it's like a, it's like a cow or, you know, or like, <laughs> yeah. it's a cow. and I'm like, no, like you don't get it. And honestly, like 
I can't really explain it. I think what it is for me is like when I look at a musk ox, I see something that doesn't look like it belongs on earth. I, it, it's almost like looking at a, through a time machine at something that belongs in the ice stage that was running around with like woolly mammoths, you know, being chased by, by primitive people with spears. Like that, that's like what is in my mind when I look at it. And so to me to have the ability to go to a, a foreign place and hunt that animal was just like, dude, it was always the top of my bucket list, you know? And, uh, and so I'd priced it out a number of times. I kind of had an idea, a ballpark idea in my head of what it would cost and, and how to make it work. And so finally I went to the hunt expo in Salt Lake and, and at the hunt expo, there's, I mean, hundreds of outfitters and guides and stuff from all over the world. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to find somebody here at the expo who, who has a really good musk ox hunt. I'm going to book it. I'm just going to do it. Even if I have to book it a couple years out and then I can, at least have a reservation, you know, have, have the dates set and then save money along the way. And then I'm good. So I, I meet a guy, he's, he hunts him in Greenland and it was like 10 grand. And so I'm like doing the math and I'm like, I can make this work. Like, you know, I'll, I'll pull the trigger on this. I'll do it. And I tell one of my buddies, I, I leave the booth, right? I'm at, I'm talking to the guy. I'm, I'm like verbally like, okay, yeah, let's do it. Give me, give me a sec to think about it. I walk away from the booth and go and talk to one of my other friends. And he's like, hey, dude, before you do anything, call this guy. And he's like, he's also, he's a hunt broker. You know, he's a, a hunting consultant. He's like, call him because he knows a ton about muskox hunts. So I call this guy. I know this story is kind of confusing right now, but it'll make sense. <laughs> I call this guy and I'm like, hey man, I want to go on a muskox hunt. What are your, what, what options do you have available? And he's like, uh, what are you talking about? And I'm like, well, you're a hunt consultant. <laughs> and uh, so I, I'm supposed to tell you what I want to hunt and you're supposed to line it up, right? Is that, is that how it works? <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and, uh, and I'm like, so I want to go on a muskox hunt. And he's like, Austin, why are you calling me right now to go on a muskox hunt? And I, I'm so confused at this point. I'm like, uh, what is going on? Like, <laughs> this is your job, you know? And he goes, Austin, listen. I just got a phone call about 30 minutes ago from two guys who were booked on a muskox hunt to Greenland and they canceled their hunt. And so now I have this opening for a cancellation hunt. And he's like, and that's why I'm trying to figure out why you're calling. Like, how did you know that was available? And I was like, what are you talking about? I, I had no idea. I mean, it was just like a complete act of whatever higher power you want to believe in. And, uh, and the timing just worked out perfect. And so he goes, Hey, the reason they had to cancel is because they don't have their COVID vaccines. He's like, if you're vaccinated, you can take this spot and all you have to do is pay the remainder of what they owe. And I'm like, well, what do they owe? And he's like, it'll be about a thousand bucks. And I'm just like, done. Sign me up right now. I bought both spots because he had two of them. So I'm like, I, I just bought both spots. And, uh, and I'm like, okay, great. Now, when do I leave? And in my head, this is February, this is February 22, right? And in my head, I'm thinking, oh, it's going to be next winter or whatever. And he's like, oh, you leave in uh, three weeks. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> he's like, yeah, I'm in three weeks. And I'm like, oh, gosh, I better call my wife, you know? And uh, so, yeah, that's how fast it came together, man. It, it was really just like a dream come true for me. And so, 
you know, forever flight getting there, getting there is a pain in the butt, but man, when you fly into Greenland, it is so impressive, man. It is literally just a giant iceberg and there's no trees, there's no vegetation. Like you are literally landing on a rock covered in ice. And uh, so we land, we get picked up by the outfitter. He takes us back to this little cabin and we eat a uh, muskox stew. It was so good. And I'm sitting there eating this just like, Oh yeah. Like this is perfect, you know? And, uh, and they're like, okay, gear up. Like we're going out. And we're just like, like cause the communicate granted, I've only known about this for three weeks. So my communication and understanding of how this hunt was going to go was like next to zero. All I knew is that it was going to be stupid cold. You know, it's the arc, it's above the Arctic circle and it's going to be stupid cold and like very rugged. So I'm just like, all right, we'll figure this out. So when I show up, we eat lunch and they're just like, Hey, go get dressed. We're going out to the tundra. I'm like, okay, here we go. And so I had like seven layers on. I put like every <laughs> layer of clothing on that I could. I was literally just this giant marshmallow and then hopped on a like toboggan, you know, sled. And they took us two hours out, uh, onto the Arctic. <laughs> and we get out there and there's just this tiny little like shack. Right. And there's no, there's no water there's no electricity um there's no like propane heat or anything there's little kerosene heaters and then there's a wood-burning stove but the funny thing is why there's a wood-burning stove doesn't make a ton of sense because there's no <laughs> trees on this place <laughs> so, all, so all you're burning is just like chopped up construction material you know? <laughs> so, it was like it was very like a super rustic little cabin thing we had out there but Dude, nonetheless, like I'm so stoked to be there, man. And uh, when you buy a hunting license out there, it comes with like you can shoot ptarmigan, you can shoot Arctic hares, you can shoot Arctic fox, you can ice fish, and then uh, we had the muskox. And so like we only had three and a half fish days to hunt, and but and a lot of stuff we wanted to do. And so we were just like, hey, let's get you know let's get after it. And so yeah, man, like the very first day people had always told me killing a muskox was easy because they're like, dude, they just stand there. You, they stand there and you just ride up to them and you shoot them. I, and I didn't really like care about that part of it. I was just like, I wanted the experience. I wanted the adventure. I want, you know, but I can tell you like, it was not like that. It was not like shooting cattle. <laughs> people describe it, at least not my experience. Maybe, maybe somewhere in Canada or whatever, but, and in Greenland, like it was first very hard to see them you'd think they're this giant like bison sized animal that just stick out. But the weird thing is, is on the, there's these big mountains and the mountains are covered in rocks and boulders and the muskox just look like rocks and boulders. And so you'll be like glassing a mountainside and you'll glass it a couple times and you're like, yeah, I didn't see anything. And then all of a sudden you'll see like a little bit of movement. You're like, Oh my gosh, like that boulder is walking, you know? <laughs> and uh, it, it like, it's crazy to fathom that because gosh, I love hunting in the snow. You know, when you see a deer in the snow, it's like, dude, a blind person could see it. You know, like it, it's not hard, complete opposite for these animals. And, uh, and then the other factor that made it so difficult was they have a nationwide meat hunt in Greenland for muskox. And so, you know, muskox is used as the meat for the whole country. And so they're allowed to go out and just kill a ton of them for the nationwide meat hunt. Well, once that ends and then they have their rut and then we come in and hunt. 
So they've gone through the nationwide unit hunt. They've gone through the rut. So by this point, like they're extremely weary, the even faintest sound of a snow machine and they're gone. And so we were having to glass these things at a mile to two miles away, which is super difficult. And then on top of that, you couldn't just ride up to them. Like you had to make a stock in on them. Now you're doing all that while it's like negative 15, negative 20 plus, you know, a 20 mile an hour wind. So man, your eyeballs, for example, like you'd go to glass and you know, you got your, your eyes are open like this and you can feel like the wind cutting through. And next thing you know, like your eyeball, like the water in your eyes is like freezing. <laughs> you're like, Oh my gosh. Like, you know, you're trying to like pull your hood up around. It's just a completely different level of like battling temperatures that I wasn't used to. Um, and, and like the, the, gosh, the elements there are just insane, man. But, um, you know, we hunted for a little bit and finally located some muskox up on a hillside and we could tell from a pretty good distance, there were some bulls bedded and, and they'd bedded down. And so we were able to just kind of like work our way up through these boulders, you know, staying out of sight and then, uh, kind of belly crawled the last little way up on top of a nice little shooting platform. And yeah, man, I, it was like 200 yards and, and punched my tag. So it was a blast, man, an absolute blast. And then when you walk up to them, I mean, there's just no words. Like, I know that sounds stupid, but like the reality is for me having this like image in my head for all these years and then actually getting to go up and see it and get my hands on it and see it up close. Like, dude, the amount of respect I have for those animals is incredible because they are just every, every square inch of that animal is built to thrive in that environment. You know, an environment that would kill probably 99% of, of creatures on the planet and that animal just thrives in the snow and the ice and everything. Uh, you know, their their fur is 12 inches long in some places. Their hide is this thick. They have these big, massive heads with big, strong necks where they can, you know, push the snow aside to get to the little grasses and stuff. They're just incredible. And uh, so, yeah, we were able to get him all gutted up, uh, get it onto a snow machine, and then uh, take him back and, and uh, get him all quartered up and, and then we were actually able to use the uh, the heart and the um, the lungs from the muskox as bait for the Arctic fox. And so we would like tie it up on a string and stake it down into the ice. And then uh, in like the last hour or so of daylight, you could see Arctic foxes coming in. And it was crazy because on the when the fjords are frozen, you know, the fjord is like the the, the sea ice. And, and um, looking out from our cabin where we were staying, you could see like a mile across the fjord. It's just perfectly flat, you know, it's ice. You could see Arctic foxes just coming, bouncing down the ice from a mile away. You know, and they picked up on that smell and they were just cruising their way in. And so we were able to, uh, to shoot some beautiful foxes and, and catch a ton of ice fish. And, and the whole experience, man, was flawless. I, not a complaint for me. And then on top of that, to top it off, something that I didn't anticipate with the Northern Lights, you guys, I don't know if you've ever seen them. Northern Lights are like life-changing. They are so cool. Yeah, and that's, a bucket, list. that's a bucket list for me, for sure, is yeah. the Northern Lights. That's been on my bucket list for a long time. But yeah, like you said, the, when you think about a mustock, it's like the most hardy, like meaty, just everything's designed perfectly to to live in like the worst environment ever. And you wonder like, 
how can an animal get so big with so little of resources, you know? Yeah. So definitely incredible. And then what kind of, what, what caliber did you have to use to, to bring one down? I shot a 30 out six. Did you? And I, I, we, so this is, this was kind of a bummer, man. I, I had a 300 rum that I was dying to take, but because of the short window I had, I couldn't figure out the process because it, it's not clear anywhere the process on getting my rifle from here through Denmark, because we had to stay the night in Denmark, which is like a super heavily gun restricted country and then over to Greenland. And so I just used the outfitters guns. Yeah. And so part, part of the reason they were like, Hey, we have to get to 200 yards. Cause I'd asked them, you know, I, I was like, I'm like, if we need to stretch it out a little bit, like totally cool. It's up to you. You know, he's like, no, we don't shoot anything past 200. I'm like, well, just out of curiosity, you know, like, why is that? And he said, because you hit them the first time, they're going to take off. You're going to hit them the second time. And if the first and second shots aren't good shots and they get this like kind of like elk where they get that big adrenaline dump, he's like, they're just gone. And it's frustrating for me, I think, because I'm, I'm kind of like, Hey, I'd rather use a bigger caliber or a heavier bullet or something that's going to just like end it. Right. Mm-hmm. But they're used to like, oh no, like, of course you shoot a muskox like three or four times, <laughs> and I was like, that's just like the common practice, you know? <laughs> just a very different mindset on that, you know? Because my my buddy who came with me, I told you I bought I bought the two of them, so I brought one of my friends, and dude, we got up to his, and as we got up close on him, the two bulls were headbutting each other and bashing their heads which watching that on a musk ox is like, it's cool watching it with like sheep, like big horns and stuff like that, dude. With a musk ox, you're like, okay, they would like take down a brick wall right now with how hard they're hitting each other. And so we're sitting there and he's like, hey, I'm just going to shoot which one which one wins. And he's like, I guess I want to shoot like the alpha. And I'm like, oh, of course. Like, yeah, who, who does it, you know? So we're sitting there watching them and we're just like, hey, whenever you guys are done, you know? And uh, so they so they get done. And he's like, okay, that's the bull. Well, he shoots this thing and he shoots it just awesome. Like, like I get see the impact. I filmed it. Everything was good. And I'm like, oh yeah, great shot. Reload. Dude, every single one of his shots was just behind the shoulder, right in the vitals. Six shots. Six. And I'm like, guys, did you ever think about trying a little bit bigger caliber? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a little heavier bullet, you know? But, uh, yeah, it's just, that's just how they do it, man. That's how I was wondering. I was wondering getting a gun over there would be an absolute nightmare, I was assuming. So I was wondering kind of what you used and how you made it happen. But that makes sense to use a, because I know like New Zealand, if you go off your red stag, it's kind of the same thing. It's really yeah. hard to get a weapon over there. But man, it'd be tough to pick up a gun and be like, yeah, it's good to go, buddy. You just take your shot. This is once in a lifetime. <laughs> yeah, well, luckily they did let us, they did let us uh, zero and make sure we were sighted in and stuff. Cause yeah, I agree. There's, there's no way I would have just been like, yeah, yeah, let's okay. gonna go shoot, shoot my dream animal. Like, no way. Can, uh, can you describe the, the musk ox's coat? Is it like a wiry type deal or is it like a woolly mammoth fur? <laughs> I, dude, it's, it's hard to describe, man, because it's really like, it's two, it's two different things. So they have like an under layer that's like this thick of just the thickest, most dense wool, you know? So it's like a, sh- like sheep's wool kind of, but, but 
10 times denser. And it's actually some, some of the local like craftsmen, um, they make like muskox headbands and hats and stuff. And they say, I don't know how true this is, but they say that it's the most per ounce. It's the most expensive wool on the planet. Wow. So yeah, that's true. But um, so they have like the, the wool and then on top of the wool, they have this long, thick, coarse hair. And, and that's what you see. Like when you look at pictures of them and you can see that hair just like almost dragging in the snow. Yeah. Yeah. So that hair is like an extra layer on top of all that wool. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah. the picture that you get. You get like the face with the hair that's real, real long. And I've never like seen one. How? I mean, are they like the size of a cow or a bull? Is that about the same size as there? I know they look very, very short, but I didn't yeah. know. Yeah. So they're they're very very interesting animals because their legs are shorter, but they look even shorter because their their hair is like dragging on the <laughs> yeah. ground. You know, and they're just so, so funky looking. And then they have a hump, kind of like a bison, you know? So they have, yeah. a, they have a hump, but they're very short and like stout. And yeah. so I wouldn't, I would say they're the size of like a young bull, like a young cow bull, you know? Yeah. Like a two or three year old steer. Okay. Um, but yeah, they're not the size of an elk. Um, so but yeah they're they're just incredible and it's weird because when you gut them um and you get the hide off you can actually see like those front shoulders are enormous and it's yeah. all muscle i mean you know like you look at the deer like man i know guys who are like yeah i i just trim trim the uh meat off of a deer and it's all or off the front leg and it's all just burger because there's just nothing good to eat off the front leg you know Dude, you get the front leg off a of muskox. Yeah, you could feed like a hundred people on the front <laughs> leg of wall. It's like it's crazy how big those things are. Uh, it was quite Do they have any rules about you bringing the meat, or did you donate to someone there? Could you take bring it home, or? Yeah, so I donate. We actually, you have to donate it. You can only yeah, bring. True. It's like you can bring like 10 pounds or 12 pounds or some stupid home. And so a handful of guys brought their back straps home. Um, and my fear was that we had like a 48 hour flight getting home. And I was like, dude, I just don't, I don't want to mess with like getting my meat contaminated and then getting sick and whatever. And so I was just like, I'll just donate all of it. But honestly, it was so damn cold over there that they froze you know when it's negative 30 degrees at night like those things were like ice blocks and yeah. then you think it's sitting in the hole of the plane and then when we stayed the night in denmark they were able to put it in a hotel freezer and so they actually all got theirs home and still frozen so i do regret not bringing it back yeah i at think least. i would have to donate it too just because you don't know and you're like man i don't want to waste you know waste it when it could go to good use like you said yeah. I'm assuming that's probably like what the kids eat in school over there and oh, all that. Cause that's, that's all the, like their yeah. main resources. Cause they can't probably raise cattle or anything over they there because the elements are so harsh. So the kids yeah. are eating muskox burgers at, you know, Dude. muskox tacos in school. <laughs> yeah. for the week, you know? oh, there was, there was one restaurant in town that was open. And so when we came back from our hunt before our flight went out, we had a couple days in the town and, and so we had to eat all of our meals at this restaurant and it was like 
muskox spaghetti, muskox tacos, muskox <laughs> burger. Muskox. I, was, I was, I was loving it. I was kind of in heaven because I was like, man, this is why I came here for. You know, this is what yeah. I want to be doing. But man, I could see if you lived there, it would get a little old. <laughs> Probably like fish and muskox. That's about the yeah. only options you got. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Seriously. You ain't getting so, any growing a gardener and you getting anything fresh unless it's shipped in, you know, that's yep. just a crazy, um, the population, was it, was it pretty populated there? Or was it really stretched out in Greenland? Yeah. No. So like Greenland doesn't even have a road system. So it's like little, it's basically villages all the way kind of around the coastline. And the weird thing about the one where I was, I was in a town called Kongerlushwak. It's like, barely i had to ask him like a thousand times how to even pronounce it you know and it basically was an old military base and when the u.s a u.s military base and when they closed the base they sold it to greenland for like a dollar you know it's just like a showing of goodwill yeah. and uh, and so it's weird because like there's the there's the chapel there's the the barracks there's the gym it's it is literally a military base but it has such a good runway on it for the big, you know, military planes that now it's the only international airport in Greenland. And wow. so everybody just lives like right here around the airport, you know, cause that's yeah. where all the food and everything comes in. So everyone's just right there concentrated. And so like, dude, when we took off on the snow machines, we took off uh, down the fjord, you know, it's, the fjord's three feet of ice. We took off down the fjord and as we're riding out, you know, there's like all these native Greenlandic people, like families with on dog sleds, you know, and, and it's like, and that wasn't rare. Like there were a lot of them. And so you're just like waving at people, you know, and they have like five, like a, a, a dad driving the, the sled. And then there's like five kids, like five kids on the front of the dog sled. And here I am in like seven layers, like trying <laughs> yeah. to stay alive, literally trying to stay alive because I'm so cold. And then there's this like, you know, three-year-old wearing like a single like caribou hide jacket. <laughs> and just like, like they're just tough, dude. They're just tougher than, than I am. <clears throat> and uh, just nice, nice people. Um, but man, as soon as you get out away from that town, it is so isolated. I mean incredibly isolated there were times where like we would be out and walking around and doing stuff and would stop and kind of comment about like dude when's the last time where you couldn't hear anything yeah like, cars playing like even when you're out in the mountains you still at least hear birds and squirrels and things like that dude when you're out on the tundra like on the ice in greenland there's not a anything <laughs> there's nothing so it was pretty it was pretty weird to to feel just like that isolated but it was cool you feel feel like man if these guys leave me i'm doomed (laughs) (laughs) gotta be tight with these outfitters yeah 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 (laughs) they forget me out here it's gonna be a rough go (laughs) yeah exactly if i get out of line man they could leave me and no one ever see me again (laughs) oh yeah be buried in ice be like that ice the caveman that they find in 2000 years exactly exactly uh one thing that i picked up on while you're telling your story is uh you know you're looking forward to the experience of going on the hunt you know uh getting out there and it being negative 20 
And just like Cody and I here, when we, when we hunt whitetail, like we're looking forward to that 22 degree morning in November. It's like, you know, all right, let's go. We're fired up. And as you sit back and, and you think about it, like, you're like, yeah, you know, that's what I want. And then when you're in the element, you're like, man, I'm kind of, I'm kind of sick for like wanting it to be like this, you know, and, and embracing the suck. And, uh, that's something that, you know, we talk about quite a bit is just enjoying the overall experience because it's so much more than just about being successful and killing you know it's it's the whole it's the whole bit so i thought that, that was cool that that was one thing you're looking forward to yeah yeah it's like you kind of start to, at least as i've gotten older i've started to like identify that in people more and more like there's guys who just want to be trigger pullers or or you know arrow throwers or whatever and then there's guys who are there for like an experience and in greenland there were five of us hunting total and there was one was there just to pull the trigger and there were four of us who were there for the experience and the guy who was there to to just kill his musk ox check check the list and move on that was like the only day he went out you know he's like i went out i killed my musk ox he didn't ice fish he didn't go ptarmigan hunting he didn't you know do anything else he's like I, that that was it and and he wasn't shy about it though he just and and that's i guess what i'm saying is like that's fine if that's what you want to do but for me personally, I want the experience and I want to be with people who want the experience. Like I want to surround myself and hunt and, and spend the time with people who are there for those same reasons as I am, because I get frustrated. And that's something I've had to learn over time is I get frustrated when I'm with people who are like selfishly hunting because they just want to check a box and be done. You know, I don't know if you guys have ever ran into that, but. Yeah, we know we actually have a couple people that we were close to, and then we you get closer and closer, then you realize that that's what they're in the game for. And we we're we're out there just doing ridiculous stuff, not killing and having the time of our lives mm-hmm. because that's what we're in it for. You know, we're in it for the the stories of like and yeah and yeah like story because when you do. Without the story, the accomplishment to me is kind of, you know, purposeless. There's got to be a story to go along with the accomplishment that you're proud to tell, you know, just like you. If you would have went and just killed a muskox, it wouldn't have been near as a good a story, you know, as you go and ice fish and you go and, you know, Arctic fox hunting. Now you have all that combined when you could have just went and checked the box and said, well, I got this off the bucket list. You yeah. made it a, an adventure instead of just an event, you know, right. is what I what i think and that's how it should be i think with like i said there are there is people that are in it just to to get the job done it's like i I like to say but that's fine but it's sometimes you don't get the job done and the adventure is all you get the experience is all you get so if you're just looking for that you're going to get burned a lot but if you're looking for the experience and you're not successful it was still a a great trip and you got the experience you know going to greenland a 40 hour <laughs> plane ride. That's freaking yeah. Yeah, I would, oh God, yeah. I would go so insane. Like, even, even right now, you know, it's, it's bear season in Idaho and, um, I've killed a hand. I've probably killed, I don't know, like six black bears in Idaho. And, uh, I'm going out with some friends this weekend and I've had in my head, I also am running a bear bait. So you can bear bait or you can spot and stock bear hunt. We're going to go spot and stock. I told my my two little boys, I have a six-year-old and a four-year-old, 
I told them that the reason I was setting the bait was so that I could take them, we could spend some time together in the woods and they could hopefully see some bears. And, and I'd love more than anything if I could kill one with them, but kill a bear with them there. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so, you know, this weekend, as I'm going out with my buddies, it's like kind of a different thing because I, I know if I wanted to, I'm 100% sure I could kill a bear this weekend. Like I see enough of them. I've hunted them enough times. I, I know their behavior in this area. Like I, I could do it, but I've done that. And so now, like, as I'm, as I'm kind of broadening my understanding and looking at this big picture, I ask myself, like, what's more important? in the long run, killing another bear or having that time with my boys, showing them why I'm so passionate about this, why it's important, like teaching them those lessons, like all those things that go into it. I couldn't take my boys on a spot and stock bear hunt. They're too young. Like I'd, I'd they'd die. <laughs> that would make it like a mile in and they'd be like, dad, our legs are broken. We need to yeah. figure <laughs> But I can take them and bear hunt. Like that is a half a mile hike from the truck. It's reasonable. Like I can carry them if I need to, that's something we can do. And so it's like, I more and more, I'm, I'm like, like just echoing that it's, it's becoming more about the bigger picture and sharing it with the right people. I think, I think more people should take that approach. You know, I know big deer sell and, and all that and the hype and everything going into it. But, um, that's something Cody and I have kind of, you know, really built our relationship and our friendship off of is having the same um understanding that you know the family and and our and our kids um and the wives and everything comes first and then all that other stuff of us getting what we want to accomplish done is going to be second and and our windows rapidly rapidly approaching faster than than we can even imagine yeah yeah it's hard out west too because i dude i I wish I gotta be careful. How I say this because I don't wanna. I would never give up hunting in the West, but at the same time, like being like being able to hunt out of a tree stand, the way a lot of guys out where in your neck of the woods get to. Dude, there's times where I say to myself, like, maybe I'd, maybe it'd be worth it to me to give up hunting out West just so I could have the experience with my kids in the tree stand or in the blind or whatever it is. I mean, the West is great. We have so many different species and so many different things we can do. But dude, my four-year-old can't hike to the top of a 10,000 foot mountain, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like I, but it's, it's just a balance, man. And, and sometimes I really am envious of the way you guys get to approach hunting. Um, and it's funny because I always hear from guys out East that they're like, you guys are so lucky you get to hunt elk and moose and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, guys, it's pros and cons, man. Cause I look at you guys, I'm jealous of what you have. Yeah. I, I think it's like two different worlds. We've, we've talked on here about out West hunting and we sound like a couple morons basically, you know what I mean? Cause we know nothing about it. And, uh, but I, people are always like, would you want to go kill an elk? I'm like, I just, I'm, I dig whitetails, man. The elk's not even on my radar really to go yeah. do. I just dig I enjoy whitetail hunting. I enjoy what I got going on when I, I always say when I can just kill them real easy and I have more time, you know, maybe I'll make it a priority to go do some other stuff, but, um, or maybe if I kill so many, I, you know, kind of get wrapped up, but like homie said, 
I got a six year old, you know, he's going to be ready to rip here in a few years. And then you're going to start the transition all over again to starting just, you know, going back and hunting from the very beginning. So, um, and then the next boy, the next boy, and you know, it just a never ending cycle if they hunt, but, uh, I feel like there's going to be a time when the kids are gone. And if you don't prioritize them, you're going to be yeah. back out there doing the same thing you were doing before you had kids. Yeah. And you're going to be pissed at yourself because you didn't prioritize their hunting time when, you know, it was most important. I think, I think that young age is when you're going to have the most impact on a kid in the hunting. Um, yeah. He might not be good at it, but he's going to remember it forever. That's when they get older, just like all of us know, you start thinking about girls and trucks and sports. Yeah. Stuff gets a little hectic. But right now, you know, dad hunting is cool, no matter how, you know, what what yeah. kind of hunting it is. Your frog gigging or your raccoon hunting or your elk hunting, it's all cool because it's something they've never experienced. So yeah. I try to prioritize that just for the pure fact that if I get old, I don't be sitting <laughs> around in a deer stand chasing another giant and be like man i'm just doing the same shit i was doing yeah 20 years ago but i missed all that time with my kid because i know when my kids decide not to hunt i'm i'm not gonna quit you know if they right. if they stop and then eventually they're not gonna want to go with dad they're gonna be like that ain't cool they're gonna be like, <laughs> I, got, I got this shit figured out already i'm going that's it they're gonna know how to do it better yeah, yeah they're gonna think yeah. they know how to do it better yeah, yeah they're be like oh yeah i i I know that spot. I know the spot to go. My dad's he's he's lost over there. You know? yeah. <laughs> we all we were all there, you know. We were like, oh, dad knows what he's doing for a while. Then you're like, oh, I'm not real sure. I'm not real sure. This guy. <laughs> That's so funny. It's so funny because it's true, man. Holy yeah. cow. I uh I wanted to touch this. This is a long way from Muxcox, but I've been following your social media and I know that you're going for a deer slam. What, yeah. what exactly just, I mean, I don't want to keep you too long on here, but what, no, what exactly yeah. does that entitle for the deer slam? Is it how many States or what is it? So, um, the North American deer slam is five deer species. So there's the, uh, Sitka blacktail in Alaska, the Columbia blacktail in Northern California, Oregon, and Washington, the white tail deer, the mule deer, and then the coos deer. So I've killed my, my overarching goal in all of this is I wanted to be able to have um, a room, like a wall in my house with the deer slam on it. Five different deer species where basically people who've never really had a lot of experience with seeing deer, being around deer could look at that and be like, oh, so that's the difference between like a mule deer and a white tail deer. Or, yeah. you know, what's, what's this tiny one that's like the size of a German shepherd? Oh, that's a coos deer, you know? Like I want to use it, one, it'd be super cool, but I also want to use it like as an educational type of thing where it's like right there. I have four of them done. I need the coos deer. I've never hunted them before. Um, and so, yeah, this this should be the year. So nice. that's, that's, that's cool. I was following your Sitka hunt when you're out there um it was you said there's two of those right there's the there's alaska. Two types of blacktail. yeah okay i was following whatever one you're on the boat in alaska i believe yeah yeah i was like it was an epic hunt man it, it looked like kind of every time i see alaska i'm like man the 
it's always like crappy weather there. You know, there's never like a nice sunny Alaska day. It's like rainy and wet, kind of crappy. Dude, <laughs> this is how big of an idiot I am, man. Uh, I was like, I was at again. I was at the Western Hunt Expo in Salt Lake, and I'm walking through like the outfitters and booths, and I see one, and it's like it was like 2,800 bucks for this hunt, and it was like five days cast and blast. So cast and blast is like uh, fishing, duck hunting, fox hunting, and deer hunting on Kodiak Island. It includes your meals, lodging, transportation, all that. And I'm like, dude, that's a steal. 2,800 bucks yeah. for a trip to Alaska. All I have to do is like buy the flight and the tags, sign me up. So, <laughs> so I call, so I call them to book it and they're like, yeah, you know, we have one spot available. And I'm like, dude, sign me up. When is it? And like it's the middle of December. Oh god. I didn't think anything of it. I was just like, dude, I, I can hunt anywhere, anytime, doesn't matter. Sign me up. I call my dad and I'm like, hey, I booked us a hunting trip. You're coming. Let's go. And he's like, where are we going? Alaska. He's like, when are we going? I'm like the middle of December. And he's just like, absolutely not. Like, <laughs> he's like, he's like there's a reason that week was open, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like nobody goes to the hunt in alaska in the middle of december and i'm just like oh come on like we can do this no it was brutal like oh man it was cold it wasn't near as cold as greenland like i'm talking it was only like 30 degrees 25 20 but what sucked about it is it was constant drizzle it was like a rain then a drizzle and then snow and so you'd get soaking wet in the rain and then it would turn to snow and the whole time the wind is blowing and you know and it was like that just day after day after day after i was day. following the store and i'm like god this that just looks brutal maybe it's an uh, epic heart, i'm just like this guy is earning this because that uh, looks terrible up there but uh, yeah so like they're like hey uh tomorrow there's like 70 mile an hour sustained winds and everybody's like we're not going out and me and my brother are like, of course we're going out. Like, we're in Alaska. You know, like, what else are we going to do? <laughs> so we go out, and sure enough, like, that was no joke. It was like you would come up out of the trees and just, like, get blown over. <clears throat> and so we just ended up having to, like, hunker down in the trees all day and, like, wait for deer to, like, come feeding through the brush. I mean, it's just brutal, man. Yeah. And uh, I would 100% go back and do that hunt again. But I probably will do it in like October. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. It's that tight B fund, but it's really cool to talk about when you got home, but when you were doing it, you're like, God, <laughs> exactly. this is hundred percent tight B fund. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. We have a lot of those days like this is gonna be an awesome memory oh, yeah. that we did this. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. when we talk about it in five years, but right now this is terrible. <laughs> yeah. Miserable. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah definitely like i said uh our all of our listeners that you they should follow you on social you're always sharing stories you're always on an epic hunt and you're you're out there just crushing the bucket list man right now so props yeah, to you good. for doing that and, dude and i was i was i was this close and i'm still on the fence to be honest i told him no but after i said no i'm kind of like can i you know like <laughs> but uh the guide in Greenland called me the other day 
And he was like, dude, I'm going to go guide in Latvia. And I'm like, what's that? <laughs> I don't <laughs> yeah. even know what Latvia is. <laughs> and it's like this tiny little country. It's like the size of West Virginia. And it's right on the border of Russia, of all places. It's like right on the border of like Russia and I think Finland. And, and he's like, you got to come over. You can shoot like unlimited <laughs> roe deer and these like crazy raccoon dogs and foxes and like beavers and wild boars. Like he like lists all this stuff off. And I'm like, there's no way I'm going to be able to do all that in like three days and like, and not, you know, and have fun and do it. And he's like, no dude, like hundred percent, this is the coolest hunt. And he sends me a bunch of pictures and, and I'm like, ah, thinking in my head, like this is gonna be like 10 grand. He sends it back to me and I price it all out and it's like $1,500. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> maybe I can do this. <laughs> uh, like, maybe I could do Latvia <laughs> in the middle of June. So yeah. I don't know, man. You're right. I think, I think the biggest thing guys is like, uh, I always just tell people like my biggest piece of advice, not my biggest piece of advice. That's a stupid thing to say. <laughs> a piece of advice, <laughs> a single piece of advice would be, um, look for opportunities that are outside of what everyone else is doing. Right. I don't know anybody that had been to Greenland. I don't know anybody that had been to Latvia. I don't know anybody that like does some of these weird kind of obscure things, but like, that's totally okay. Like there's a lot of opportunities out there to meet super cool people, whether it's online or where it trade shows or whatever, but meet super cool people, put a group together and just go do something freaking cool. And it's not, it doesn't have to be expensive. Like Latvia is a th what four day hunt. It was like 1500 bucks for the whole thing. Plus a flight, you know, and, and you get that together with three or four of your buddies, man, that would be a trip. You'll remember the rest of your life. And uh, so, yeah, man, it's like, you don't have to just follow the meat eater footprint of hunt elk and then deer and then coyotes in the winter. And you know, that's your blueprint. Like go do some other cool stuff. There's a whole world to go see. I told, I keep telling my wife, I said, you wait, you think we spend a lot of money now. I said, you wait till these kids get big enough to start going on trips. Like I've been to Idaho. I went out there working and me like, you're jealous of us. I'm just jealous of what you guys have. I was in like the Sandpoint area working. Yeah, yeah. And man, I was just blown away by like, there's just bighorn sheep just like walking around and stuff and mule deer, giant mule deer. There's like a trailer park with giant mule deer in it. I'm like, what is going on outside of town? You know what I mean? And the, the lakes, you know, you got those giant salmon there. I went on a fishing charter. I, um, uh, I, when I was out there, I wanted to catch a West Slope cutthroat because I guess it's yeah. like one of the only places you can catch one. Um, so I got a charter um, and the guy was like, what do you want to fish for? And I was like, the West Slope cutthroat. And he was like, okay. He's like, most people want to fish for like salmon or rainbow or something. <laughs> <laughs> and I caught a bunch of stuff they call like a creek chub. It was like big silver, like minnow looking fish. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That's what he was calling. I don't know. It's like a big silver, looked like a giant minnow to me. But uh, it was, I caught a bunch of those, and I ended up catching two of those. And I, I didn't know, and I was like, all right, I'm going to catch one, and I'll measure it, take a picture, and I'll get it mounted because it's like the only place you can do it. 
They don't even make yeah. a form. No one mounts it. <laughs> you can't take it out of the water. You have to like leave it in the water, measure it in the water. Can't touch it. I was like, what is that? What am I doing? Like, it was a great time. You know, he was taking me like way up in the, you know, off the lake, way up into the, the mountain streams and stuff. It was, it was great, but I should have done more research on what I could actually do. Cause I took it to my taxi number. So I'm like, all right, this is what I got. He's like, I could get a cutthroat, but it doesn't look the same. He's like, I could paint it like that. I'm like, no, that ain't, <laughs> that ain't gonna work. <laughs> Dude, have you ever seen? So, like, we have, uh, you know, we have giant mountains in the middle of the state, and it's super rugged and remote and stuff. And so the snow melts, and we get these high mountain lakes where the water, you know, the snow melts, and then the water gets trapped up in these big basins. And we get these high mountain lakes. Well, fish and game will stock a plane uh, full of fish and then fly over the high mountain lakes and open these bay doors and drop like 10,000 fish into these lakes. It is the craziest thing. I have you ever seen that video, the videos of that? Oh, yeah. You guys have, you have got to look this up. It is so crazy. They'll literally come flying down. You know, they're going like 150 miles an hour and just open like 10,000 fish just fall out of a plane into the lake. And so you can go up and fish some of these high mountain lakes in the summertime, dude. And it's like those fish, dude. It's like <laughs> cast, poof, cast, yeah. poof. I mean, just all day, dude. It is yeah. so fun. I went went from there to Libby, Montana, and it was salmon snagging season. And I've never, yeah. never that I guess they're they're landlocked. And the guy's like, "Yeah, man, just." get your hook and cast out every time. Wham. I was like, man, this is the best thing ever. Yeah. Like, yeah. Take a day. I think it was 30 a day. You could take or something like that. I'm like, my God. But <laughs> yeah, you know, like, we don't have, we don't get a reputation for being like rednecks out in the West, but I'll be honest. Some of the stuff we do is like, yeah, yeah I, right? I, really, <laughs> I really got along with, with everybody out there and, you know, just, go you're working out there you got no family so you go out to eat and i was just talking to random people and then going to the bar with random people and they're just awesome people out there man and i went i was in sand point then i had to drive down way south to fly out of idaho to back home and that's like to go to re to rewind rewind what i was saying i'm gonna take my kids out there like i want to take them out there i want to take them to the kootenai river fall that trail cross the cross that river and you're out in the middle of nowhere and take them salmon snag and and that's the stuff that i don't want to miss so i'll be people think i'm out of pocket now my kids are 15 16 14 i'll be real out of pocket you know i'll be, <laughs> I'll, I'll be broke too because i'll be like i got a trip next week going here we got a trip two weeks going here just hey man it'll, it'll be worth it though man yeah try to soak it all up but all right, man. Well, we appreciate you coming on. Um, is there anywhere that you'd want people to listen to follow you to be able to, you know, see some of these stories? Yeah, man. Instagram is probably the easiest place. Um, my Instagram is super easy. It's just Austin period leg L E G G. And, uh, yeah, man, I, I just love being outside. So I'm going to keep doing my thing and yeah, if people want to follow along, have at it. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing the content and uh, filming what you do and, um, it's really cool to see a guy that you you know is a solid dude. You can just tell by the videos, and you're not you're not in it to be some giant huge star. You're just in it to be like, hey, I'm I'm out here 
doing this and you can do it too, you know, and that's, that's what I feel like when I watch your videos, you're always having an awesome time. You're sharing the real stuff, like the brutal stuff. It isn't some like, Oh, look at this chef who's making me a five course meal <laughs> at, at this hunting lodge. You know I mean? It's not, it's not like that, but it's, yeah. it's uh, the real gritty kind of, you know, stuff that people can expect if they get their hands into some of these hunts. So, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, thanks, boys. I really appreciate being able to hop on with you. It's it good to see you guys. I know we talked on the phone a handful of times. Yeah, but yeah. See you guys and uh, have a quick conversation. So I appreciate yeah, it. Hopefully, we appreciate we can do this. let's do this again sometime and we'll catch up on what we've been up to. Yeah, you got def definitely plenty of stories to come out again and hit us with another one. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we hope you enjoyed that episode from Austin. Like I said, this guy is always on an epic hunt. Um, doing incredible things and sharing it um, in a pretty cool way. He's been in the industry a long time, um, knows a lot of people. It sounds like if you're in the market for kind of an exotic hunt, uh, reach out to him. Um, sounds like he can, can set you up there. And uh, if you have any questions on a hunt, he probably knows someone or or knows the answer already about what you know what you need to do, what you what tags you need. Um, real solid guys. Uh, like always, appreciate you guys being here. It is literally like the dog days of summer officially. Um, people aren't going to be thinking about whitetail for, what, another Two three months. months or so. Yeah. And uh, we were talking about that July 4th fireworks, and then people start thinking about whitetails. <laughs> yeah. We've seen it in a number of podcast numbers. It's just ridiculous. But uh, if you're here now, we really appreciate you. Um, you're the diehards of this podcast. You're the people that make us come back every week and release these episodes for you guys. Um, if you guys ever need anything, reach out to us. Um, we've had a couple of listeners reach out to us here recently, and I don't know if it's because we keep saying it or what, but uh, it's cool to, reach, to, to kind of know who's listening and uh, get a backstory and see what, it, what Bucks are excited for this year and all that stuff. So um, if you ever need anything, we're here. Um, try to leave a legacy, always do the right thing, and Whitetail Legacy is out.